Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill. GQ, how be you? I'm just fine, Eric. I Yesterday, well, we're doing this Thursday, but I can't believe I actually sat down last night and watched regular season hockey. My beloved, not beloved, I'm a fair weather Caps fan. And they just destroyed the Rangers. So uh, I was almost going to text you. I'm like, no, Eric's an Islanders fan, not a Rangers fan. So, so has your team begun their quest for the cup? No, tonight. Well, when people hear this, it, it, they probably it, will don't, have. Don't worry, be tonight. <laughs> tonight is uh, opening night. They're at Carolina, and the Islanders are actually kind of favored to win the division, and Carolina is like the other favorite, so it's the two favorites. I don't really buy into all that. The Islanders are not a regular season team, so I think they're coming in like third or fourth and just make the playoffs, and hopefully they'll do well in the playoffs again. I have once they get there, I have faith, but they're not a regular season team. I was texting with uh, one of my good friends today about the game, and I'd say Carolina's a fairly heavy favorite, and I think I would bet Carolina tonight. I just have a feeling, but we'll see. I don't know. Hopefully I, it goes I, well. I think it's interesting. You know, the NHL now has 32 teams. They expanded to Seattle, and <laughs> their mascot is Kraken, which is a sea creature up in the great Northwest. Uh I doubt they'll have the same success that Las Vegas Golden Knights had when they were. No, they, they took a different approach. They, they said they're more long-term approach and they actually, I don't know how, how close you follow it at all, but they drafted a bunch of like kind of grinders and good, like two way, you know, more defensive okay. players, which is not necessarily a bad idea, but you know, a little light on skill perhaps up front and scoring. So they'll probably pay, play pretty good defense, but uh, you know, they won't be terrible because they're in a very weak conference or division, whatever you call it. So they, they won't be terrible, but I, I don't, I mean, they might be in the playoff picture at the end, but I think they'll miss the playoffs by a little bit, but I, I think they'll be somewhat close, but I could be wrong too. And, uh, but yeah, and, big time hockey season coming up. Very yeah. excited. And, and baseball, major league baseball is coming to an end. And by the time people listen to this, the Dodgers will, will already be making golf uh, <laughs> tea times. <laughs> Perhaps. Oh gosh, I would love that, but yeah, you know the television would hate it, you know, because they already lost the Yankees. So I don't know, Red Sox, Astros, Braves. I mean, there, you know, it hasn't gone, you know, it hasn't been chalk in the play baseball playoffs, which is very unusual, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't follow baseball as closely, but my team was out of it in April, I think, or maybe spring training, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. So. Uh... Yeah, it hasn't been much to look forward well, to. They they had more wins than my team that was out of it come opening day as well. So actually, that's pretty close. I don't know about that. I gotta look. Let's see. Baltimore had uh 52 wins. I think the Pirates were in the upper 50s. So I think we yeah. got you. You had 52. Oh, Pirates got 61. See, I'm a terrible fan. Yeah. I lost track. Yeah, they, they, they must weren't have even strong. In, yeah, the, uh, I remember about eight games to play there was a big debate it's like oh the orioles and the arizona diamondbacks right. were had the same exact record so it's like who's going to get the number one draft pick in the june draft 
And at the time they were saying, well, if they end in a tie, the tiebreaker is who had the worst record the year before. And ironically, the year before, they had an equal record. <laughs> so Did you go back like, another year? Right. So it's like, don't know if there's a second tiebreaker. But <laughs> luckily enough, the Orioles, for, for, for the Diamondbacks, their fans, the Orioles mustered up a few victories uh, in the last week of the season, uh, which almost uh, knocked uh, the Red Sox out of the playoffs. Well, they got in by the skin of their teeth. I think they, they did tie, though. They both have 52 wins. Oh, did they? Oh. Yeah, so. Oh, okay. You know so what they I, should do? It should be like Friday Night Lights. You remember? Was that the movie where they have the big meeting at the uh, diner or whatever, and they flip the coin? Flip the coin. Uh, let's just flip the coin and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, nobody cares about uh, this next conversation we're going to have. But the, the, the other thing that we have in common is that uh, we both officiate soccer. And typically, at the beginning of a soccer game, the captains get together. You flip a coin to determine, you know, who, you know, who either wants the ball or defend what side. And I worked with a guy one time. He didn't have a coin. So what he did was he says to the captains, I have a red card and a yellow card in my pocket. <laughs> Which one? So, you know, pulls out a red card or whatever for, for the choice. So as we walk away, I said, okay, so you got both cards in your pocket and whichever they say, you pull out the different card. <laughs> so uh, the joys of officiating. Absolutely. Playoffs start next week. I, um, I kind of blocked off just about all my dates because uh, I'm broken down a little bit. I tore a ligament over the summer and yes. it's been a very painful season so far. So um, everything's fine. Just my body so i can use some time off so um i don't think i'm gonna do too many playoff games i hope which usually people like fight over those games and they like them but i'm like the opposite i'm like nah someone else can do them it's okay (laughs) yeah that's true that's why originally i was like it was my first year officiating on varsity and i got playoff games i'm like are you guys sure about this i don't think you were supposed to give me any games (laughs) i don't need this and uh sure enough i call pk on um on probably the loudest coach in the uh in the whole county against his team, but it was the right call and I was in the right position. So that was a great way to start off my uh, playoff career. But anyway, I digress. Well, so, uh, well, well oh, as ahead. far as officiating and stuff, I, uh, I'll tell a quick story. And I think it's because of this, I'm responsible for the whole shutting down with uh, COVID. Um, nine, 2019, prior to COVID, I was probably in my 12th year of high school basketball officiating. And in the state of Maryland, they have different groups and each group uh, is able to send uh, uh, an official to the state championships. And I was selected from my group uh, to represent our group. So I actually got a, and, and in Maryland, they play, either at Towson University or University of Maryland. The girls play at Towson University and the boys are at Maryland. And so I got one of the girls' semifinal games. And this was right at the beginning of March when the COVID issue was swirling around. And 12 hours before (laughs) the game was supposed to happen, 
they all decided, nope, everything shut down. <laughs> so I never, never got to do my uh, state championship uh, game. And now um, last year was a semi season that I officiated. And then all of a sudden I started getting all melancholy about, I see so many kids playing basketball at all levels. And I was all about fundamentals and I see such lack of fundamentals or thought going into the game that I'm thinking, you know what? It will probably be more rewarding to be a coach. And I'm probably woefully um, <laughs> misunderstanding the fact that I can go into a high school of kids and actually, you know, try and teach them something different than what they've been doing their entire life. So uh, what I did decided to do was take a, a year off from, or at least a year off from officiating. I'm going to be assistant coach at a local varsity and we'll see how that goes. And depending on how it goes, I'll either be back officiating or I'll yeah. continue uh, for my quest of uh, John Wood uh, status. Yes. <laughs> but you're, you, you are, even though you're officiating soccer, you too have coached in, uh, in basketball. Yeah. 20 year basketball coach. Long time varsity, and uh, we'll see if it happens so, again. So, so am I whistling up? Uh, uh, you know, um, am I am I wrong in my thoughts that I can actually make a difference in some some athletes' lives, or or are they all Mister Know It Alls? Uh no, I think you can make a difference. I don't want to uh, sour you on it. I always had good experiences <laughs> and enjoyed it, so I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to went on that video. You actually changing someone's uh, fundamentals <laughs> when you're working with them for a month when they've been doing well, it for 16 years is going to be hard. Well, but hey, and and the thing is, is I've never been an X's and O's guys. What I've done is, <laughs> is that how you got the job? You said said that in the interview. Is that <laughs> that come up? <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm more of a scheming type of guy. <laughs> I look at the competition and try to have them beat me with their weakness. You know, and I just see, you know, it's like, you know, fourth quarter of a game, guys have been out guarding the same guy who's been using his right hand, hasn't gone left the whole time, but yet they're guarding him straight up. It's like, would you dare him to go left? You know, and I, I just don't understand. It. I don't understand. Well, of course, we canned the entire game because most kids can't go to the we can, so that's my recommendation from the start. Really? Oh, just overplay big time. Make them beat you with the weekend. Absolutely. Right, and, right, and that, and that, that, that's like a simple suggestion. And... That, you know, it used to be like I don't want to get into a basketball coaching podcast, but right. it used to be like some coaches had a philosophy where you know, like when I played, don't get beat baseline. That was like our cardinal rule in high school. Right, exactly. Do not get beat baseline. As I started to coach and learn more. Um, and it's different philosophy. Some people still have that, but we used to force baseline because then you can trap from the weak side and bring to help defender over and you trap the person by the block under the basket and they have nothing to do. Uh, and that's very effective, create a lot of turnover. So we would force baseline. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? Screw that. Let's just force them to their left hand, all these righties, because they can't go left. So yeah. that's what we do. It doesn't matter whether it's baseline, middle, just force people to the left. And it and really, there, there was a lot of nuance to it too. Like if you're forcing teams to the left, to that we can, we'll say left is there, sure. we can, you don't really have to help. 
because even if the player gets beat by half a step, chances are the kid can't do anything. So right. now you can stay home on the shooters on the perimeter and we would only help on the right side of the court. So anyway, I'm getting very technical and all, but that's uh, a little bit of coaching uh, advice from me to you for well, you to look I'll, good in yeah, front of your head I'll, coach. Thanks. And I'll just say <laughs> one, one last thing. seems like every, every so many years, you know, basketball as a game uh, turns into, you know, something different. And nowadays, all the game is is dribble drive and shoot a three. That's all it is. Nobody, nobody knows how to post up anymore. Nobody knows how to, to you know, take a 10-foot jumper. Everybody's hanging out the three-point line. And if they're not shooting from three, they're penetrating in. It's a whole freaking game. Grandpa, the kids are going to love you. That's yes. all I have to say. Yes. <laughs> when I was a kid, get off my lawn. I'll probably lose my position before the first real game. They're going to say, who in the hell is this guy? They <laughs> love hearing stories from the 1960s, the kids. They really, that's like the number one thing they like. <laughs> and, that's what, and that's what they always say. It's like, you know, they show old clips of, you know, Bob Cousy dribbling. And it looked funny. It looked like it was a fast motion way dribble. It's like, that's how... You, you were supposed to dribble. Now everybody's carrying the ball. Everybody, every point guard can be called for traveling every time down. The, the you know, and it's ridiculous. Don't get me started. Like you said, all right, you I got turn started. this into a uh, coaching podcast. All right, let's get back to the horses here. And uh, we were debating what track to cover. Uh, I prefer Belmont usually if I can help it because my home track and I like to bet it. I know the horses there better. But there was a chance for rain on Saturday, so we tried to avoid that. I thought, what about the cross country? And then it turns out the cross country is from Far Hills, which is steeplechase racing. And as much as it's enjoyable to watch maybe, and it's supposed to be a really fun time, you can get dressed up in your fancy tuxedos and go to Far Hills uh, in New Jersey, I believe. I thought that that would not be the best to handicap since I wouldn't know what the heck I was talking about. So we went to Keeneland, back to Keeneland, my nemesis track. There's a few tracks I'm not too good at. And historically, I thought I kicked my Keeneland curse because I had a really good meet either last time or, or the time before. But we covered Keeneland last week. I did not do too well at Keeneland. So I'm hoping to do better this week. Uh, we're going to talk about how to structure pick five too, how to develop pick five, if we can go quick enough on the handicapping. Uh, so that's what we're going to cover. But before we get into that, uh, would you like to do your question of the week? The QQOTW, Quill question of the week, I believe. We're calling it. Um, th this is, this comes on the heels of last Saturday evening's Charlestown, West Virginia Breeders, where uh, the pick five paid a bountiful uh, $24 uh, because it was sort of chalk, 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 obviously, to pay that. Um, so the question is, if you handicap a, a pick five sequence and you realize you have uh, full chalk. Um, how do you go about still betting it, or do you just say it's not worth the? You know, uh, there's no value even if I put extra money into into the sequence because uh, the, the re return will be minimum if I'm if I'm correct. Yeah, well, it's a good question, and I think it depends. So. There was a time, uh, I think in the fall, well, in the spring, maybe Monomoy Girl was still running. I think it was her. I could be way off with the time frame, so I'm sorry, but I think it was her. 
she was going to be like one to nine in the race. It was a pick five sequence. And I looked quickly at the race and I saw she was one to nine. I, I didn't want to try and beat her. I, you know, I, I didn't really handicap the race that closely, but on the surface, it looked like she was going to win pretty easily. And I said, you know what? I'm not even investing the time. I'm not even looking at the four other races because it's more like a pick four. I, I just have no desire. I, I'm not going to waste money trying to beat her in this case. Um, and I, I don't need to use her. So I'm done with that sequence. Um, there was another one though, recently at Belmont, maybe a month ago, where in the early pick five, there were two horses that looked like two different races. It was going to be like a two to five and maybe a three to five. And again, I did a quick look. I didn't really handicap, but they were like 20 points speed figures above anyone else in the field on their weakest day. I'm like, you know what? I can look and maybe find flaws with them and maybe, you know, watch a replay. Maybe I can find someone else who's better than he or she looks, but I said, I'm not even going to look. That one maybe backfired because both of them, I think, lost and paid like 15 grand, even though they were small fields. So uh, it can backfire a little bit. But no, in general, you handicap the sequence. If it's chalky, you make a decision whether you want to play it or not. The only thing is, okay, playing it, it's just you can't spread a lot. You know, I think that's the obvious answer. So, you know, if you see a lot of chalk, just don't spread. Like that Charlestown sequence, did you, I'm sorry, did you say how much you paid or what was it like? Yeah. 25, well, 30 the, bucks? Yeah. The, the pick five for 50 cents paid 24. Right. So if you're using like, like to me, I'm not interested in that personally, but if you're using one by one by two by one by two or something, and for 50 cents, you have a $2 ticket, you're getting 12 form return. You know, it's tough to do that. You can go a little deeper, I guess, slightly, but you don't want to, if it's going to pay 23, you don't want to price spend more than, you know, eight, 10. I mean, technically you can spend 21 and make money, but you probably don't want to spend a fortune on the ticket. Um, so for me, if I saw it being that chalky, I'd most likely not play it. Or I just like have a ton of singles, like I just said, maybe a, a two horse here, you know, two horse in a race here, and that's about it. Uh, and I bet it for more money. So that's something, you know, I would do. And then the other thing too is the the bet minimum has a um, a play in this too. And here's what I mean: if the minimum is if it's Woodbine, it's twenty cent minimum. People spread like crazy when it's twenty cent minimum. Yes. So if you have a chalky sequence at Woodbine and you just bet the chalk, but you don't spread much and you bet more in it, it'll pay better than a chalky sequence at another track where it's a 50 cent or a dollar minimum. So we've had Tommy Massis on in the past. I think, I think he's talked about it on the air. Maybe I've just talked to him off about it, but um, you know, that, that's a big, big factor too. The lower the minimum, the more people spread. So if you don't spread, you have an advantage. So the favors actually play better at Woodbine than at other tracks because of the 20 cent minimum. And on the other end, if it's like the Stronic Five, that's a dollar minimum, I believe. In that case, people are chalking out. So it's probably the favorites are going to be less value because so many people are relying on favorites when they can't spread as much. So in a chalky sequence, it would mind. I'd be more willing to play it for the 20 cent minimum uh, than a $1 minimum at in the Stronic Five, if that makes any sense to you. Hopefully it does to our listeners. So I don't know if I fully answered your question, but hopefully I did. No, no, definitely. Say more if you like. But. Work. Nope, works for me. Thanks. All right, you want to move on to the handicapping then? Nothing to chime in? We're good? Yeah, why not? All right, we'll try and go quick, and then we could then talk about breaking down a pick five ticket, which I'd like to look at how I would break this uh, sequence down. So we start uh, on Saturday at Keeneland, race six. It is one mile and one sixteenth on the turf, made in special weight. For the boys, two-year-olds, and I found this a, a pretty tough race to handicap. This was the toughest race for me uh, because of the fact that so many of these have either not run or not run on the turf. So that made it hard. 
I will say that the horses who ran on the turf, who are the favorites, I'm really not a huge fan of. I know they can win, but I want to take a stand against them. And then if I lose, I can come back and bet a pick four, I guess, if I really want to bet the sequence. So really quickly talking about those horses, Curbstone, the four horse, two to one morning line. This is a horse who got a six to nine buyer at Belmont. Easy lead throughout, just walked around the track and still couldn't hold on. Could the horse win? Of course, the speed figure is, at least buyer figure is significantly higher than anyone else. But to me, that 69 was a little inflated. And I'm willing, as much as I respect uh, Brendan Walsh and Tanner's a great jockey, I'm willing to take a stand against a horse who had an easy lead in her uh, his last race and hopefully can beat him. The other uh, short price that ran before is the 11 horse, and that's Wicked Genius. I don't know if this, these morning lines are accurate or not. I kind of hope so. But Wicked, Gen- Wicked Genius, the 11, sat a great trip sitting behind a, a speed duel. It was too wide. It wasn't like he was saving ground, but still it was in a great spot, had every chance to win. Uh, it's not like the race fell apart or anything that he was too close. He wasn't. And, you know, I would downgrade his 58 buyer personally. Uh, and because of that, I, I'm not in love with the horse horses. I would downgrade. You're not, even if they win, you're getting no value. Cause I think their races are not as good as they look. So I, I'm against those horses. And even the 10 horse who ran before, as much as I love Dallas Stewart and think he's a terrific uh, trainer, he had like a perfect trip. He broke sharp, like on top of the field. So he almost got like a little bit of a head start because of that. You don't know if it's going to happen again. And he got a perfect trip saving ground. So I downgraded his last effort. So basically, I'm going against the those three and specifically those two horses who might be the favorites or should be the favorites. I'm pretty deep here. The two horses I prefer the most, I'll just go over and then I'll just mention the others who I'm, I'm betting. The one horse, hashtag no wonder. Don't love the horse. But I excused the first out race. Didn't run well. But first time going long is tough. Came back. Uh, second time out, September 11th uh, at Gulfstream. And I thought that race favored speed a little bit. Got pinched back at the start and lost several lengths. Um, you know, didn't really have a wide trip or anything. Too wide, saved ground a little bit. Uh, but without the pace, with the bad start, it was hard to, and still made up ground. Was one of the few who did. Uh, yeah. I, I would upgrade that horse. Should be able to save ground here. And if there's any pace in the race, hopefully won't be too far back and can uh, get the job done. So that's the one horse. Hashtag no wonder. And the other horse I would use uh, as a main horse is the nine, Camp David. Uh, Camp David. Trained by Rudy Brisset or Brisset and uh, ridden by Jose Ortiz. This is a bit of a flyer, but I think the trainer is a, a very good young trainer. Uh, I don't like anyone. I don't like first timers, preferably going long. I don't like the horses, a lot of them who ran before. So this is a first time turf horse. Uh, I'm not great at breeding. I know Yes, it's true as a sprinter on the on the mom side. Pioneer denials seem to be decent on turf. So I know it's not really totally bred for the turf, but for me. I'm willing to take a stab there, but I'm going to go deep here without the favorites. I'm using the one nine, but also the three, five, six, seven, mostly basically because of uh, trainers who are either I like or have success with the move. Again, I don't have a strong opinion in this race, but I'm going to go deep with the one, three, five, six, seven, nine here. GQ, do you want to add anything on a race that I really don't have strong opinion? So maybe you shouldn't listen to me out there. <laughs> well, no, I'll, I'll just add a horse that, that you didn't mention that I kind of just like based on the pedigree and maybe uh, the work pattern is the eight horse, big woo 10 to one morning line, uh, Joe sharp trainee with Tyler Gaffleon uh, aboard. Yeah. I totally agree with you on the first timers going long, not, not my favorite, you know, <laughs> play angle, but I mean, I always love street sense horses going two turns on on the turf for the first time uh and 
you know, the, the, the dam is out of Colonel John who made his career running on the turf. Uh, the thing about, I like about the work patterns is the progression in the distance. Uh, you know, the horse has a laundry list of, of published works. I mean, his last five have all been at five furlongs. So uh, it tells you that he should have the stamina to go long. He's got the pedigree to have that stamina to go long. Joe Sharp uh, is, uh, you know, on par with his uh win percentage for the year is about the same on the turf. Uh, it does halfway decent 10% with his first timers. Um, you know, I, I love Tyler on the turf. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Uh, I can't fall in love with any of the short price horses. So why not take a swing uh, at double digit odds? So that's why I landed on the eight big woo at 10 to one. Yeah, with those connections, I can definitely see something from that horse. Just Sharp's not good first time going long, but none of them are. And I can easily throw that horse in. Since I'm already six deep, adding one more horse to make it seven deep is not going to break the bank at all. Uh, and, you know, that's a, a trainer that's hard to go against. As a former guest of ours has said about other trainers, he's a Jason Service Mayor uh, out of a Jorge Navarro uh, <laughs> uh, horse here. So um, I, would, I would definitely be worried about leaving a trainer like that out, but I'm leaving one or two out anyway. So let's go on to race seven, where I have a little more of an opinion here. And the rest of the sequence, I have some opinions. Um, race seven is a maiden special weight on the dirt this time. It's for three old and up, Phillies and mares. Um, I think I said a mile 16th. In this yep. race, uh, there's a couple. I mean, I don't see the four the first time starter going long on the dirt with zero connections doing anything. They paid $1,000 for the horse. So that horse is a toss to me. And I'm not going to bet you the first time started the six horse either wild Empress. again, first time are going long, unless there was like nothing in the race. or so the trainer was amazing with that move, which this one's not. So those horses are out. I can probably see any of the other horses winning. Um, the horse I think is the best horse is probably the two horse, but also the morning line favorite sovereign appeal. There's a horse who got in the duel last time with a two to one shot at Ellis who ended up winning the race and the stalkers did. Okay. So it wasn't like, you know, the speed collapsed, but it was a pretty sizable duel and, probably was second best in that race based on the fact that, you know, dueled the winner who, who was best. So I would slightly upgrade that 68 buyer speed figure. Horse that had several chances though. And, you know, it's tough to take a short price on a horse who had several chances. It was really not like head and shoulders above these um, speed figure wise. Well, at least one of them. Uh, the other speed figure horse is the five horse street, Missy seven to two. This is one I'm going to try and play against nothing against the horse, but um, you know, I had an okay trip. I think being back helped a little bit last time in the slop at Churchill, just the way the race was run. I don't know anything about that day that how the track was playing, if you know, but, um, you know, I didn't think that hurt And as much as I love Larry Jones and think he's you know very good. Uh, I, I would prefer the two over the five and I don't want to use both of them. Uh, and then I, the other horse other than the two that I would use, um, would, would be the one in the seven. So a little chalky out the one and I'm leaving out the favorites in the first late race. So I have a little, uh, leeway here, uh, big city mama horse ran uh in new york last time against uh i think it's pronounced shalomir gardens who was a big favorite in that race and shalomir gardens i want to say was a horse who had like 70 buyers going in and everyone i think there was one other horse with like 65 buyers everyone else was like 40s in the race so shalomir gardens really stood out and this horse ran fine i mean it was no match shalomir won easily but this horse came in second got squeezed back a few lengths of the break wasn't going to be a threat to the winner whatsoever but was probably second best in the race, which I don't know how good that is anyway, but this is not really a tough field. Shug McGay is a good horseman who, you know, slowly gets his horses better. So this horse 
I upgraded last buyer slightly because of the bad start. And uh, if the horse improves a little, even saving ground from the inside, you know, should do well. Uh, my fear is, you know, the horse doesn't have a ton of speed, but in this race, you know what? There's really, unless one of the first timers goes, there's potentially not much speed. So this horse can save ground. Tyler's pretty aggressive and can be close. So uh, I think the one is a good chance. You know, the two does have a good chance. And then the other horse is the seven, which would kind of be like a, um, a flyer I'm taking. I wonder if Shug and his son, I believe that is, right? Um, the set, uh, I didn't even know his first name. I forgot. I thought Reeve. it was with an R. Gay Reeve. Okay, so that's what it is. Um, McGay, I don't know if they've ever had a, a horse in a race against each other. Maybe yeah. maybe they have. I don't know. But um, anyway, I just thought that horse had room for improvement. He literally stood in the gate, or she stood in the gate. I would say spotted the field about eight lengths, then decided to run. It's like, hey, you guys go, and then I'll come later. Now, that can happen again. I have no idea. The horse didn't do much running when she did get out of the gate. But in a field where I don't like anyone, I think it's a weak field for a maiden special weight. I'm willing to give that horse another try, especially get Florent Giroux, uh, who's, even though our guest last week didn't like Florent Giroux very much, which I was shocked about. But uh, I didn't want, I don't know if that's anything, but I was shocked. Uh, we'll see if he's listening this week. There's a test for, uh, for Marshall to see if he's listening. He can, uh, you know, reply on Twitter so we know he, uh, he heard that. But uh, I, I'm fine with uh, Florent Drew. So I'm going to use the one, two, seven, a little chalky, but uh, I'm leaving out the five here. And like I said, in the first leg, I, I don't have any chalk. So GQ, your uh, thoughts to add anything before you go on? Yeah, this is a pretty uh, weak maiden special for $84,000. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, for an angle of somewhat of a price, I'm liking the, the seven uh, B rate because Maybe maybe it was that that race at Ellis Park for nothing else in the race. That's why the horse was bet uh, the seven to two, uh, and like you said, you gave the uh, indication of how bad the horse got left. So you kind of really need to draw a line through that, and yeah, maybe got an education. The fact that Florence is willing to come back and ride the horse might might be something. To get a hold on, you know, I don't know. Uh, this might be something where uh, I obviously the eight to five morning line looks best on paper, but he kind of just runs like he he runs with the pack. He, he doesn't want to win, and they're the kind of horses that uh, you like to see in a race uh, because you'll get value elsewhere. Whether that value uh, turns into a six to one or higher. Uh, slim pickings in this group so uh gun to my head i'd go with the seven b rate all right so let's move on to the uh eighth race this is the feature on the card the qe2 cup queen elizabeth the second uh it is a grade one uh this is a race that i've always enjoyed betting i don't know why but i always feel like i'm good with the um three-year-old fillies going long on the turf I, I just i don't know why just the horses i like have uh have done well for me uh, going back to, I want to say, I should remember the name or I should have looked it up, but I'm almost positive risk averse for Pat Kelly, a, a Long Island based, uh, trainer who I don't want to give away his address, but I think he lives in Floral Park. I'm pretty sure. Uh, that is going he, uh, back. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it wasn't that far ago, but probably what, 20 years ago, something like that. I'd say at least. Roughly, yeah. yeah. So, um, that horse, I'm pretty sure won this race. I didn't look it up, so don't hold me to it, but I'm pretty sure, which was nice to see. Cause you know, going against the top trainers back then, whoever they were. You know, a local guy uh, has a good horse and does well. Shows that how many people out there can train if given the chance, but these super trainers get all the horses for 
whatever reason. Anyway, um, in this race, there is a horse that I like a lot here who I liked a lot last time, and I'm sticking with her. Uh, and that's the three, Shantasara. I, I just think there's a lot of upside with this horse. She's going to have to improve again. She's seven to two on the morning line, and I have no idea. I think that's a good morning line. I can see this horse going off anywhere from like eight to five and anywhere to six to one, five to one. Probably won't get that high um, because the speed figures are nothing special. They're good for this field, but um, there's one or two that have as good or higher speed figures. So I'm curious what should we bet? But I think the seven to two is fair. Yeah, maybe three to one. You know, I would have made her, but I would have made three to two, uh, three to one morning line, seven to two. So I'll say it's accurate. Anyway, why do I like the horse? Well, this horse who's just steadily improving each race. And I think there's another jump coming. Um, two back, she won uh, the pucker up on the Arlington Million, I want to say, undercard. And she didn't beat a ton. Oyster Box is, you know, whatever, nothing special. Maybe an 80 buyer speed figure horse at best for Grand Motion. And I think came back and did nothing. But she did it so easily. She was so much the best in that race. And I liked her a lot last time. I don't know if I singled her last time. I might have gone too deep. But I'd have to go back and listen. But I liked her last time at Belmont. And that was a tough race. I mean, for her to be nine to two in the race was kind of a bargain i thought but also told you there were other horses who were decent in the field including technical analysis who's uh not technical analysis including uh higher truth who i think is running on this card am i wrong about that i could be way off ignore that comment perhaps maybe we'll get to higher truth later sorry i looked the other day at this or yesterday anyway no, no, no higher okay truth, higher truth is not on this card all right sorry about that but uh that's who she ran against last time who took a lot of money i think that was the um the favorite two to one favorite or so. But anyway, well, I was against that race, by the way, uh, but they come in second. So Shantazara, she stalked the two to one shot, higher truth in the race, came second, but she was pulling away late. If they ran further, she would have pulled. I know there's a shorter race, but my point is she won. I don't want to say easily, but you know, she took the length in the stretch to get by and then she just was going by the horse. Um, she was well clear of the third horse. She had 93 buyers. She's got to take another step forward. I just think, I don't want to say the sky's the limit for this horse, but there's a horse, Chad Brown. I just think he's getting better and better and better. And there's another jump up. So I'm almost to the point where I'm most likely going to single Shantasari here. Not that others can't win. There's some good horses in the race. A horse that you might remember because uh, our guest last week liked this horse. And this horse ran last week. Uh, I, I forgot if you liked the horse, GQ, but I know Marshall liked him. Uh, her and, and I used her. She was like my second or third choice in the race. That's the four Empress Josephine. She ran last week um, at Keeneland. Very quick turnaround. I read somewhere how the trainer, uh, Aiden O'Brien, did this somewhat recently with another horse. I don't remember who. Maybe you guys saw it out there, but horse ran in the first lady and then came back a week later and won the QE2. So he's mm -hmm. done it before and won with this move. I'm pretty sure I saw that. Uh, this horse who I liked a little bit because she did have some trouble in the races in um, – in Europe, so I upgraded her performances a little bit, and she had been running against some decent horses there, pretty good horses. So last race, I thought she had a decent shot in that race. Uh, that was a race where Alfico was a favorite, but there was just no pace. I know the pace doesn't look that slow if you look at the time, but Blowout was a lone speed. We knew that going in. My problem was Blowout popped up every lone lead she's ever had, just not everyone, but so many of them. I figured she'd do it again, but this time she got brave and held on. So um, there was just no pace in the race. So Empress Josephine ran very well to do some closing. Did save ground, but not only close, something you're going to love, and I'm going to steal your thunder, GQ, but what was different about Empress Josephine's last race compared to almost everyone else in the field? Up uh, quiz. You quiz me. I'm quizzing you. Gosh, I don't know. Um, shorter distance? No, you can try. Hey, that might be true. Actually, I don't know, but... 
Uh, she ran against Older. It was a grade one, uh-huh. and it, was, it wasn't like an allowance against Older. This is a grade one against Older. So she's coming out of a, a tough race. Now, I don't know how amazing those horses were. Althika, you know, was like 100 by a horse going in and obviously did not have things go her way. Blowout is like, you know, they were like mid-90s by a horses, which would be as good as anyone here, better. Um, so I can definitely see Empress Josephine running well. I wouldn't worry about the weak turnaround with Aiden O'Brien. Um, that would be a little chalky going 3-4, but that would be the other horse I would want in here. Uh, I'm against technical analysis. I just think this horse had very good trips. I know the horses won fairly easily. Uh, I don't know if she's beat amazing horses. Fluffy Socks is a decent horse, but you know I, I think Shantasara, I think Empress Josephine are, are significantly better. So I'm against technical analysis, the two-horse. I'm going to single Shantasara. If I went too deep, I would use the four uh, in, in this field. And while there are others that are not bad and have a chance to win, uh, those are the, the two. I expect one of those two, the three or four to win. And just real quick, that the five had a really good trip in a grade one over in Europe. Snowfall is an excellent horse over there. But I don't know. This horse was no thread. Had a really good trip. I, I'm not really on the five. Nicest for Donica O'Brien, who I believe is Aiden O'Brien's son. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive about that. And then the nine horse, I would use more than the five, even though a little longer price. The nine horse brushed the gate pretty badly last time. This cloudy dawn running in uh, at Deauville in France last time in a grade three. Uh, brushed the gate really bad and lost a few lengths. Uh, but after that, had like a perfect trip. Definitely hurt the start, but perfect trip behind a speed duel. Uh, after that, uh, to win the race, the favorite was two to five and got softened up by a nine to one shot who faded to last. So, um, you know, definitely the, the second place horse, the two to five shot, just beautiful. Who came back to win, which is not a shock, was the best horse in the race. So I, I don't know what he was, uh, she was running against, but I, I would use Cloudy Dawn more than I would use the five. But uh, I say I'm, I'm singling uh, the three, and if I go deeper, it'll be three, four. GQ, you want to add something? Sorry, I went longer than I thought. No, no, I yeah, I'm sorry I didn't pick up on the fact that uh, Empress Josephine uh, ran against Older last time, which definitely is huge when you take the step back in against three year olds only. But um, she had done that. Uh, over on the other side of the pond as well on three other occasions and mm-hmm. uh, held her well she held her own on two of those three occasions but anyway and that's not uncommon if you if you look in these past performances for these horses that were running on foreign soil they they have no issue going up against older when they're three-year-old um, but uh, interesting horse that I think is closing remark and I'll I'll put in a disclaimer just my, you know, I have no statistics to back it up, but it seems like the the horses that were running at Del Mar and Santa Anita coming east on the turf, uh, they, they're just not up to the task when, when they come east. And this is a strict three-year-old. She's never run against older, you know, the one of, one of the second best turf riders at, out there as everybody's on uh, Flavian Pratt as being the best uh, in Southern California. I just I just like closing remarks because based on her brisnets, she's she keeps stepping up. Uh, they they keep elevating. And uh, even though she didn't win her, her last start, uh, she had a little little problem uh, in in that race. And you know with Rispoli coming uh, to ride her uh, eight to one. Looks like a juicy price to back her at. Uh, as far as the others, I mean, gosh, uh, 
I, I see what you're saying about Empress Josephine and the fact that Aiden O'Brien, you know, had done this in the past. Uh, I just have a hard time uh, thinking that, uh, she, you know, she can just come back uh, and run a mile and an eighth. But, you know, and, and it's a good way to take a stand against a horse that's probably going to be uh, the likely favorite, if not your single, Shonda Sarah, who, and, and, it's funny, we don't have a lot when we're looking at past performances from France, Great Britain, foreign soil. I just look at the time form numbers, or at least that's what, uh, it, you know, Brisnet gives you. And Shannon Sarr's numbers were weaker than any other, <laughs> you know, foreign horse uh, who's in this race. But yet she has just uh excelled and like you said maybe she's just getting better she's maturing yeah most of those numbers were as a two-year-old or early you know three-year-old season so she's just a better horse and i, I really like this horse maybe, maybe i'm overrating her and she hasn't beat much but i, I think this horse is good and if closing remark wins uh, i i don't i i may quit handicapping uh and betting because i i know on the numbers she fits um but oh my god a perfect trip last time don't this is why it's good you got someone on the show actually watches replays and stuff. So, and hopefully you guys out there are listening to get some, you know, just tips that you might not have time for. Um, but weighted upper stretch, come on. She, she saved every inch of ground. She had to wait for a half a second. It's, uh, you know, or not even, uh, come on. That, that was basically a perfect trip. So I, I against weaker, I, I said, I'm, I'm done. No, it, closing remarks right. win. Now she's going to win, of course. And challenge right. my, uh, you know, my word if I do quit, but yeah, right. I can't see that horse at all. I hope she takes every bit of the eight to one or even more money. Right. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, I'm already, uh, I was knocking, knocking the pick, you know, before I said anything good about her. Yeah. And then you pick her. <laughs> yeah. Right. But so, you know, got, got, got to do something, but no. And, you know, I, the, the five horse nicest, like you said, it's, you know, uh, snowfall in a grade, grade one uh, in Ireland. You just don't know about these horses until they uh, uh, come here. And, and who knows, you know, maybe the intention is to come back in three weeks and run in the Breeders' Cup. So maybe this yeah. is a paid workout for this horse. It's definitely possible. But yeah, I, I don't want to say I'd be shocked because it's a good feel. But, you know, if, if it's not the three or four, I, I would be mildly surprised in that race. So I'm definitely not going deeper than that. Uh, you ready to move on, race nine? Yeah. Move this train along. Race nine, a one-mile, two-turn dirt affair. Uh, first level allowance for 86000 And in this race, <laughs> I, I couldn't find people in this race. Like, you know, in the other races, the first race, I didn't really have anyone. But I didn't like the favorites. In this race, I, I don't dislike the favorites, but I was hoping to find a price that I like, and I just couldn't find much I liked. So, um, it, it gone to my head. Who do I think is going to win? I think I would actually go with the four winter pool, which I'm shocked. Cause usually I don't like horses uh, that are running against tougher now, uh, where they have to step up, but I guess I'm all in on Chad Brown here on this card. Uh, but I, I would think, uh, winter pool seven to two. My fear is, you know, this is Keeneland and speed is so deadly, but you got speed on the inside with the one a little bit. Yeah, Ducal is stretching out as a sprinter, shows a lot of speed, could have a ton of speed. You know, the six is a sprinter that has shown some speed. I don't know if it's going to have a lot of speed, so I shouldn't say that. The seven, who I think is a little weaker, has been a, a speed ball for the most part. Uh, I think that's it, right? Is there one more? Yeah, so it looks like a decent amount of speed on paper. 
that's my only fear at Winterpool. I would hope that the horse would stay uh, a little closer to the pace, but might be too far back. And that's why I wouldn't like single, uh, you know, Winterpool or anything, but I definitely think the horse on a fair track would be the best if the track's playing somewhat fair. Uh, just stepping up in class. I mean, otherwise I thought this horse has run pretty good races. I thought it might've hung two back, but um, you know, still ran pretty well. Uh, last race, you know, near the race favorite closers and, you know, he closed into a, a modest pace. It wasn't anything crazy. I don't think 47, two was fast for that day. It wasn't, but um, you know, ran against top gun, Tommy horse. I liked in the past, but top gun, Tommy's like a 75 buyer horse, you know, on a good day, 80 at best. So this is much deeper waters for winter pool. No pun intended with the waters in the pool, but um, I, I don't know. Ducal, the five horse is eight to five morning line. I mean, this is a horse who had a lot of, um, a lot of hype going in and it's run well. I mean, the speed figures are good. The only, the only problem I have with Ducal is, you know, you're taking a horse at a short price who hasn't done this, who has to go long. And I just, you know, you think the horse could go long. I mean, it's Brad Cox and, um, twirling candy at a candy ride. I think spice towns are known to go shorter long, although he was more of a, a short horse, if I'm not mistaken, a sprinter, but, um, you know, based on the Tomlinson number, if you believe in that 395, the horse should be able to get the distance running against baby Yoda last time. Now you might remember baby Yoda because baby Yoda ran what last week, this is a horse who ran against my lock of the, uh, the day following C or follow the C, whatever. And this horse took a lot of money. Uh, baby Yoda took a lot of money. Baby Yoda is coming up a 114 buyer out of the race Ducal is coming out of. Now, Baby Yoda was up on the pace too with Ducal and then just pulled away. There's no way. I mean, that track was, I don't know if it was souped up. It's not listed as speed favoring, but it must have been speed favoring. I don't know. The buyers are way out of whack there. So I don't know to believe the 92 buyer on Ducal because Baby Yoda, granted, it was like a grade one. She came back, he came back in, but didn't really run that well when following C got an easy lead in one. Didn't run awful, I don't think. But anyway, my point is maybe the number on Ducal is really high too. And if that's the case, you know, the first race was good. Maybe that second race, July 17th was high. I, I don't know. So obviously Ducal can win um, in this race, the five horse. Uh, the other horse I thought about uh, was the one horse, Malibu Star at 15 to one. If it wasn't for the layoff, I, I like this horse a lot. Uh, his last race was at this level uh, at Aqueduct. I thought did a nice job, dueled a six to one shot, who held on for third. So it wasn't like the race fell apart by any means, but still, you know, did a lot of you know hard work on the front end. You know, it wasn't like he was loafing along on the front end to get a, a big buyer speed figure. The speed figures fit. Kelly Breen is decent enough off the layoffs. I, I, as much as we've talked, I don't really like looking at workouts, but if you want to look at bullet workouts, I don't know, but the horse seems to be working fine. So to me, I don't think he's getting 15 to one on this horse with Johnny V and the, the workouts and all that, but. Um, you know, maybe you get six to one or something like that in the morning line is terrible on this horse. Um, but you know, especially if he's 15 to one, um, I, I would try the one, uh, for a price. So I'm a little chalky here with the, the one, four, five, but I, I don't want to get beat by Ducal here. And we'll talk about breaking down a ticket because I am going against some other favorites. And I tend to have a problem because I, I try and leave out like four to five favorites or five out of five favorites to take a stand. And then the one favorite I leave out wins. And I would have had $8,000 pick five, but I had to be too clever. So um, in this race, I'm chalking out a little. The other short price horse is the nine, Mr. Tip. There was actually bet a, a couple races ago, but I just feel his last dirt race in nine, Mr. Tip. He got a, a yeah a little wide trip, but had a good setup to close into uh, and didn't do great. And that was at this level where his success before that was at the allowance starter allowance level. Uh, I know he beat Winter Pool, so people will be waiting. He beat Winter Pool three back. I just think Winter Pool has been kind of like we talked about Shantasara. I think Winter Pool is an improving horse. 
uh, where I don't think Mr. Tip is. Even his last turf race, Mr. Tip put up a nice speed figure, which was one of the highest on the page here. Um, so you can think is improving. But that race just fell apart, set up for closers, and I don't think he ran as well as it looks. So I'm taking a stand against Mr. Tip, especially on this track. I said I was reluctant with winter pool to take closer. I don't need to load up on another closer. So I'm against that horse, and I don't know. None of the long prices really do it for me. If anything, trash talking Yankee, the six horse at 12 to one. Um, you know, he, he was only seven to two in the last race, so he was running against weaker. He dueled a three-to-one shot. He came in third, but by a nose. So the horse he dueled kind of stung around, but wasn't a terrible race. Um, speed did okay. And, you know, no one really close. I, I don't know. That would be the price horse if I had one, other than the one. But I just don't think the one's going to be a price. So I'm one, four, five, and, and maybe I throw in the six there. And that's kind of where I'm at in that race. Uh, GQ, your, your thoughts to add in? Well, just listening to everything that you said about Ducal. I think for the first time in history and paying attention to our comparisons of buyers versus Brisnet speed figures, a Brisnet speed figure is actually lower than the buyer. And you were talking about Ducal's last race against yep. Baby Yoda, the former $10,000 maiden claimer. Yeah, $10,000 maiden claimer. Uh yeah, the Brisnet number came back 89, and you said buyer was 92. So that's a big difference uh, because Brisnets are typically seven, seven to 10 points higher. But yet, the Saratoga Maiden Breaker was a 103 Brisnet. So what was the, the buyer two back for Ducal? On a 97. 97. Very okay. High. So, yeah, so that, that goes. It goes with the pattern of Brisnets to uh, uh, buyers. Now, the only thing I got is uh, the last horse you mentioned, Trash Talking Yankee, picks up uh, Flavian Pratt at 12 to 1, probably just because of Pratt's on him, probably get off a little lower. But the horse is not seconditis, but has thirditis. Nine times out of 27 starts, third. So, if you have strong opinions on the favorites, just play a triple uh, with uh, Keen, the sixth trash-talking Yankee in the third spot. Maybe you'll get a price. And that's all I got for this race. All right, let's go on to race 10 to close it out. And then we'll talk about building a ticket here. And this is a second-level allowance, so non-winners of 2X, 88,000 on the turf, five-and-a-half furlongs. And – the morning line here, I have to think, is, is terrible. Um, I think there's two horses that are going to take a ton of money, and then I think there's everyone else. Um, I could be wrong. Don't get me wrong that I could be wrong, but I think Chili Petten... Oh, wait a minute. Think. Wait a minute. You, you were wrong once. You thought you were wrong once, but you were mistaken. <laughs> 2012, I think I was wrong. But um, anyway... <laughs> So before Chili Petten, I assume is going to be the favorite. It's got big speed figures. Uh, it raced in Ascot last year, if that matters. It's Wesley Ward, Johnny V. Uh, I, I think this horse is going to be the favorite. I'm against this horse. We covered that race. It's been a long time, but we covered that race. I'm trying to think who our guest was that day, um, but we, I'm pretty sure we covered the race that Chili Petten was in uh, at Keeneland in the spring. But anyway. Wasn't um, our friend from the great uh, a, a Woodbine area? I'm pretty sure. No. I don't think he did Keeneland with us. Uh, I want to okay. say, could April Major? 
I don't know. I thought it might be Chris Larmy, but no, we didn't Belmont with him. All right, whatever. It doesn't matter. But Chili Penton, uh, I was against last time. I'm against again, but I think that'll be a favorite. And the second choice I would think is going to be the 11 horse, which maybe I'm wrong, recoded. Um, again, maybe I'm way off and I'm an idiot here, but I just think that horse is going to be the second choice. And I think Chili Penton is going to be like uh, nine to five. And I think the uh, 11 horse will be like five to two, three to one at most. And then I think everyone else will be you know, behind that. But again, we'll see. I could be wrong. So I'm against Chili Penton. And the reasons I'm against Chili Penton, and listen, this horse can win. Don't get me wrong. But she gets easy leads in her races and she coughs it up. And I'm just against horses, especially at short prices, who have easy leads and cough them up because that's the easiest way to win these races. Get on the lead, set a relatively easy pace, and wire the field. Now, she didn't set easy paces, but she had an easy lead coughed up. Now, April 17th race was off of a eight-month layoff or 10-month uh, ten month layoff at least, right? 10 months. So you can say she needed the race. Fine, I'll give you that. Couldn't she improve off her 82 buyer, which is maybe the highest or second highest in the field? Sure, she can improve off of that. Problem is, she's off another layoff, which is probably not a good sign. And listen, anything can happen in a race, but there on paper is a lot of speed here. The two horse, Music City Star, just goes in these sprints to the lead every time. Uh, who else has speed here? There are some others. Um, uh, just quickly looking through. The eight horse has shown a lot of speed, a foreign exchange in her races. The nine bold figure has shown a lot of speed. Uh, in her races, Chili Penton's probably faster than those horses, but even recorded the 11 has some speed. So I, I just, you know, between the two and a few others, anything can happen, but I don't see Chili Penton getting an easy lead. And, you know, do you want a short price on a horse who's off a lot of layoffs, who's always had easy leads and lost anyway, and now may not get that easy lead. So I'm totally willing to bet against Chili Penton, which is why I could have chalked out a little bit in some of the other races. Uh, but I think the other favorite is legitimate, and I could be wrong, but that's the 11 recorded. And listen, I shouldn't say anything because I've done this before and I'm like, oh, I'll be third choice. So I don't take much stock and, oh, I'm picking a three to one shot. You know, a, a lot of people would just say, oh, eight to one. I'm singling an eight to one shot. Look how genius I am if he wins uh, or she wins. I'm not doing that. I don't like people who do that. I think she'll be a shorter price, but I think she wins this race. The 11 recorded. Not much to go on on the turf except for that Kentucky Downs race two back. And that race, she chased a fairly contested pace, I thought. Uh, and she was three wide, which isn't as big a deal at Kentucky Downs because it is that wide course. So going wide is not as bad. It's not like a sharp turn where if you go wide, you caught really wide. Um, but she got a, the highest buyer speed figure, which I don't even care about. It was against probably the toughest field out of, you know, these that these words are coming out of their last race. Most of them are coming out of weaker races, saving Sarah C, who obviously came out of grade three. But she ran against decent horses to be 16 to one in that field. I remember the race with Star Command. We, we covered that race, actually. I'm pretty sure it was a Saturday. Maybe I just bet on my own on a Sunday. But uh, this horse uh, was going seven furlongs. Perhaps that was a little long, although she's run long, but perhaps a little long because it was six furlongs, six and a half. She might have won that race. She had the lead. Uh, so I, I see recording can sit up. doesn't have to be way back, but can sit off the speed. And as long as she doesn't get caught like, you know, five wide by uh, Martin Pedroza, I think this horse has a huge shot and, and likely wins. If I use other horses in here, I would go with the um, six and the 12 I wrote down. Um, the six horse signify five to one for Rudy Brisset. I liked her uh, last race. Um, she was, what did I write down here? I have a little plus sign next to her last race. Yada, yada. I'm sorry, I got to read my hand ring. Was going away. Oh, she won going away. So she won easily. Um, and I thought the race 
when did I write closer? Why would I have a plus? I'm confusing myself. But anyway, I thought she ran pretty well last time. Um, maybe she was a little wide on the turn. That's why too. My fear for Signify the Six is that she's just going against better horses. One little, not only is she stepping up from a one X to a two X, I also look at like the odds that they were in the race. The fact that she was five to two coming off like a couple, a pair of 71 buyers is not that inspiring, but I thought two back her race was not that good. I actually downgraded her, her race two back in Indiana and I upgraded slightly her race last time. So I think she's improving and she's stepping up, but again, I don't really like her that much, but out of the rest of the field, she would be my third pick here. Um, but there's a chance I, I single recorded the other horse is Sarah Seuss to the outside of recorded, probably not the best post position, but with all the speed, maybe it can just kind of, you know, tuck in a little bit too. Cause I don't think this horse will go to the lead going short. I think she'll close, especially in this race. Sarah C ran really well at this level at Churchill in April. I know it's going back a little bit, got an 84 buyer. Uh, I thought it did it legitimately. I mean, was really pressured. I had an, I don't want to say an easy lead, like I had a one month lead but she was pressured there and they were well ahead of the third horse. So they were moving pretty well on the front end and she almost held on despite going maybe longer than she wanted to. So I thought she ran pretty well to get that 84 buyer, but then she comes back May 15 and kind of, I thought sucked a little bit. So that really scared me. She had a perfect trip. She still only came in second, the buyer dipped. So that worried me a little, but then she seems to have rebounded. Um, take away the dirt race. I don't care about. She came back at Ellis August 8th in a stakes race that she was 19 to one in. I looked at the check. It wasn't an uh, awful check. It was starting of the turn. She, she checked back a little bit. She might have lost a length, slight momentum. I didn't think it was terrible, but it was just a tougher field. And then last time she was, I didn't even watch the replay. She was just way above her head last time. Princess Gray is a horse who runs like 100 buyers going to be in the Breeders' Cup. I think they scratched her last week. Delica is a 90-something buyer. I mean, those are 90-plus buyer horses who are grade, potentially grade one horses almost. So she had no chance in the race for her to even, you know, show a lead and do something, show some life. So I think she's rounding back into form. Uh, maybe she never even fell out of form, but I think she has a shot here. And she would be my second pick, especially if she's 10 to 1. So I would go 11, 12, and then if I went three deep, the six. Are there others who can win? Of course. Uh, but, you know, that's that's all I want in this race here for any pick fives. GQ, your thoughts? Yeah, it looks like this field is filled with horses who've made their way either through Arlington Park, uh, um, Ellis Park, or, you know, Kentucky Downs. I'm, I'm looking for horses who've been competing on the major circuits all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of unfair because we never talk about AEs, but a horse that only needs one scratch to get in would be the 13. Reagan's edge. I mean, I like seeing horses. Okay. The horse first time on the turf, not great turf breeding, but I like to see when a horse had previously been entered to, to try to go on the turf. Obviously the horse has been running against really good horses back when it was a three-year-old last year, Frank's rocket a few times. Hello, beautiful, uh, which is kind of the queen of uh, Laurel. But, I mean, Saratoga, Churchill Downs, uh, and I think that last race, just on the turf, shows nothing when bet the even money. You know, the, the fact that they're not giving up on her, you know, maybe she needed the race, maybe, you know, and this is what they're, you know, aiming towards, plus the fact that uh, one of my favorite owners, Leal Stables, who love to have turf runners, 
So if Reagan's Edge draws in, I'd be interested in her. Uh, and the one Sarah C, the, uh, the 12 Sarah C you were talking about, you know, two for 32 kind of stops you in your tracks as far as trying to put it on a, a horizontal wager. But I, I think um, she was just overmatched in that, in that last one at Kentucky Downs. And she'll be coming off the pace, not showing that early speed in, in, in this one and might be able to get the job done. So that's it, really the only observations I have here. Right. And Sherry DeVoe is a former Chad Brown assistant who went out on her own maybe two years ago, and she's had tremendous early success. It started out slow for her in the first uh, six months or a year, but since then, maybe she's been three years even. She had a lot of success and uh, scary to leave her out, but I don't really look at the AEs. If, if Reagan's edge draws in, I'll, I'll look, but I don't know. I think this uh, turf spot, I hate to spend a lot of time on AE that you already spent a lot of time on, but I think it's just like, they don't want to lose a horse and give up. Let's try the turf before we give up on her to make sure she's, you know, not going to do better on the turf. And then I think next time you'll see her maybe in a claiming race, they got what they could out of her, but I could be wrong because the horse was very good last year um, as a three-year-old running in big stakes races. All right. So that can, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah. It, it, um, I was I was actually going to try and mention uh, part of the entry, you know, the other parts on the AE or even yep. maybe even uh, you know main track only. Uh, social chatter. I mean, is is this a horse that just all you know all of a sudden uh, has gotten better? I mean, keeps keeps going up the ladder. That's what's going against her. But I mean, uh, she continues to improve. Uh, her best speed figure came in the maiden win at Churchill going this distance. So, uh, but four to one, I guess it, it isn't the most ideal price to take her in this field. Yeah. I don't think she, I think she'll be higher than four to one. Um, I'd say the morning line is pretty bad here. Um, yeah. Listen, this is her two back. I did not like her race at Ellis very much. Um, when she ran five and a half furlongs, I thought uh, she got bumped at the start one to two lengths. So that hurt. But she had a perfect trip. There was a four-way speed duel, and she just sat right behind it in a perfect spot. So if anything, the bump might have helped her so she can actually come off the pace a little. I mean, it might sound silly, uh, but it definitely, I don't think, cost her. It put her in a good spot, believe it or not. So I didn't like that. Now, I would have lost if I bet, and I probably did bet because it's Kentucky Downs I was betting. I probably lost with her last time because I doubt I would have bet her off of that race. So I was wrong, but she really improved last time. She ran much better. Kentucky down speed figures are very um, dicey, if you will. So I don't know if her speed figure really jumped up like it's showing in the buyers. But if the speed figure is accurate, she ran a lot better last time. Um, but she still has to run a little better. And she's stepping up in class. Can she do it? Absolutely. She hasn't shot the one. I'm not against the one, but I don't know. It's not the kind of horse that I would normally bet unless I'm getting a, a big price. Four to one, I would totally steer clear. I, I think she'll be more like seven to one, something like that, though. But I could be wrong. said once in 2012, I was so. You good or you want to talk more about the race? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised uh, the seven horse with Sophie Doyle is at your same boat. You don't want to do that <laughs> twice in a row? <laughs> no, hey, listen, that's, I wasn't a single, it was two horses, but she went pretty well. I mean, she, she did. went fourth as like a 30 to a 40 to one, I think 50 yeah. to one, something like that. She didn't run badly, but it's hard to close in Keeneland, I think, and that was part of it. But um, anyway, all right, so let's talk about building a ticket here as we wrap things up. So as I go through the sequence, you know, I, I look, what I do, and I'm not saying this is the only way to do it, and our friend Tommy Mattis would have a heart attack if he heard this, but I think most people agree with what I, I'm saying, and I know we've had ITP on, and he sort of does this. I'm going to write down the horses that I think have a shot in the race, a legitimate shot. 
And what I do is I tier them. I don't believe in that ABC crap betting, like you're betting against yourself. I'll use A with my Bs in this race. And I know so many of you do it out there and more power to you. But if you're losing money betting the horses and you're using the ABC method, maybe that's one thing you should try and not use. But anyway, um, so I'm, I'm, I kind of rank them. I, I have like a first tier, a second tier, and sometimes a third tier. So in my first tier, I'm not going to recap all the horses, but I have two horses in the first tier in race six, and then I have four, or if I throw in your horse, five in the second tier. So I'm like six or seven deep. Then I look at the odds. Well, I look at the odds at the same time. And I'm like, none of those horses are short prices. I'm trying to beat the favorites. I'm just going deep in that race, hoping to beat the favorite. So I'm going to go six or seven deep in that race. Again, you can look up the horse. This is about how to build a ticket. Uh, you can look up the horse, or press rewind or whatever, and go back to race six. Um, wait, so I'm almost definitely sticking with the six or seven horses there. Race seven, I look at, and there's seven horses in the race, and I see five of them with a shot. The four and six, I don't think have much of a shot. The first timers, the other five have a, a shot in the race. So I, I'm, I'm writing five horses down. I tiered them. I basically have three in the top, and then I have two in the lower tier. So I have to decide, do I want to use the top three or do I want to use all five? And it really depends on the other legs. But for now, I write down my top three. And then next to that, I write down my next two is like my, my Bs. Although again, I hate to use the letter B because people think you bet A would be. And when I do that, I look in that race, my Bs are the three who's a 15 to one shot. So I'm like, all right, you know, I like getting 15 to one shots. And the five who's seven to two, who definitely can win. So do I want to add a seven to two shot who's my fourth choice in the race? I don't know. Only if I'm really, you know, low prices elsewhere. So I'm leaning to going three deep there, but I might, you know, I might be five deep. So I write that down. So I'm like, let's just say seven deep in the first leg. And now either three, four or five deep in this leg. So I write down seven by five. So I'll, I'll use the maximum, just building my ticket to see what my cost is. Next race is race eight. This is a race where, listen, when I write down a lot of horses who can win, I'm writing down almost everyone in the field. The only horses I crossed out are the six queen goddess, the eight, believe it or not, flippant, I don't really like, but I guess could win, but I don't want. And closing remarks, who I know probably could win, but I'd be very surprised. So I don't like those horses. I can see any of the other, and I might be wrong. Again, I'm, I'm here more now about like how I build a ticket. You can disagree with my handicap, and that's fine. So I have seven horses that I think have a chance to win. But I'm already knowing in the other legs that I'm probably deep in leg one. I'm probably chalky with at least three horses in leg two. Do I want to go really deep here? And again, if I have singles later, maybe not. So I rank down my seven, eight, seven horses in the order I like them, basically. But I also see where is the gap? Like, where is there a break from one to another? I like Shantasara the three a lot. I think the four coming out of some tough races, running well, Empress Show Speed is really tough. And then I have a big drop to the, personally, the one, the two, and the nine. So I'm like, you know what? I think those two are kind of head and shoulders. So I'm like, I'm only going to go too deep here or possibly single, most likely I'll single uh, Shantasar, but I might go too deep. So while I wrote down seven rage horses, uh, in seven horses in this race, so I have seven in the first, uh, up to five in the second leg, and up to seven in this leg. Now it's really seven times five times seven is huge, expensive. I'm not betting all these. This is just my process. I already know, based on the fact I'm three legs in, this is a race that out of all these I'm cutting down, and I'm having to cut at some point. So I'm going to make a big chop right away. I'm going to cut it down to two for starters. So I'm seven at most, which I'm pretty much sticking with because I said I, I don't really have a feel for that race. By five in the next, which I might cut to three, to now in race eight, the third leg, I'm down to two, and there's a good chance I go down to one. So as I'm formulating my ticket, I'm seven by five, possibly three, by two, and possibly one. So max case, I'm seven by five by two right now. So I'm at $35 for a 50 cent bet with two races to go. 
I go to race nine and I write down who I like here. In this race, I don't have a strong opinion. I don't want to just like single a horse who I'm not sure about. I, I, I'm a little chalky here, but I know I'm leaving out the chalk chili pet in the last race. I'm betting against the chalk in the first leg. I'm not going to, I know it's not the smartest betting, but I'm not going to like, what is the expression? Cut off my nose to spite my face. I'm not, I don't want to get beat. I know saying survival is a, a bad word to say in these pick fives sometimes, but when you're singling prices and you have, and you're going against favorites and other legs, sometimes you almost need to survive. I feel, and uh, it's worked for me. And I'm sorry if that's bad advice, but you know, I, I think again, when you're singling a three to five shot or an even money shot, and then another leg, you're just playing to survive. I think that's moronic for the most part. Um, but when you're getting prices, it's okay. Once in a while, you got to survive a leg. And this is my quote survival leg. I'm going with the uh, one, four, five, definitely. And I do have a price if the one isn't price, but one, four, five, I might throw in the six and I'm going to play against the nine, but he could win. So I'm writing down five horses in this leg. So building my ticket, I was seven by, there's the maximum right now, seven by five by two. I cut down race eight by at most in this race, five horses. I'm probably going to cut because I don't really like Mr. Tip, who was my fourth or fifth horse. Um, and the other horse that I have on the lower end was a six horse trash talking Yankee who is 12 to one here. So I hate to cut a 12 to one shot, even if it's my fourth choice. So uh, I'm five deep at most there. So I was at $35 times five. I'm, I'm not gonna do the math real quick, but I think that's $175 going to the last leg. And again, the last leg, looking at it, I, I like the 11. I think the 11 stands out. I'm against Chili Pet and the, the four horse. So the question is, do I wanna use others? Well, there's a lot of horses who can win. If I'm wrong about the 11 being better, I, I definitely see the six or 12 winning. And then I wrote down about five other horses. I'm not going to handicap the race game, but I wrote the one, the five, the seven, the eight, and the 10 all have a chance to win other than my 11, six, 12. So if I wrote every horse down, I'm like nine deep here. One, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and really 10 deep because Chili Petten obviously can win, but I knew I, I don't want that horse because if the horse is like my sixth selection is a big favorite or even co-favorite, I don't want the horse. So in the last leg, I know what price I'm at. I'm at $175 if I single this race without cutting elsewhere. So now if I just single recorded the 11, I'm at $175. Is it worth doubling my bet to throw in my second choice, Sarah C? I personally don't think so. Because as much as I think Sarah C has a shot, I don't love Sarah C. So if I was like three deep and Sarah C was my fourth one, I'd probably throw her in. But I'm most likely going to single recorded here. I might use Saracy, and I don't think I'm going to go to signify my third horse at five to one, uh, stepping up in class. So, uh, let's can I interject? Yeah, can I know I'm talking about. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. The the fact that you get down to the last leg with a single, I think you're at an advantage because if you're alive going into that rate last race, then all of a sudden you can hedge. Oh, GQ. You can oh, add. dirty word, dirty word, dirty <laughs> word. No, you're, you're right. I Well, no, it, because yeah. you, you like the 11, but you're already saying, is it worth throwing in that other horse? Well, right. then there's only one other horse that you're interested right. in. I so agree. that's the horse you hedge with. You're right. But I would kick myself because let's say I was alive to the 11 and it was paying like eight grand and the 12 was paying 18 grand alive to the 12. But I'm not alive to it because I single. And now I bet 100 to win on the 12 with a quote hedge. But it's not really a hedge because I like the horse. Right. Um, and, and let's say the 12 wins and is eight to one. And I bet $100 on him or her. And I get, uh, you know, 900 back. So I make $800. That's great. 
But if I would have just put her in the pick five to start, I would have got 18 grand back. So that's where it's tough. But I agree with you in that sense, I guess. If ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. All right. I'm glad you said that because I thought it was going somewhere else with the butts and nuts. But um, so now, again, I'll try and wrap up. I hope I didn't confuse people and make people turn this off. So now I'm at, this is the maximum amount of hordes I'm using. I've already kind of cut as I've gone through. Seven in the first by five, by two, by five. By let's say two, I'll leave the last race at two for that. That's $350 there. I don't want to spend $350 on the sequence. A, I, re- I mean, I don't really spend $350 on the sequence because it's, I, I don't want to say above my budget. If I felt really good about it, I would do it. And I thought it was going to pay a lot, but I don't know if this is going to pay a lot. And I don't feel that good that I want to spend that much on a sequence. So where do I cut? The easy, again, seven by five by two by one by two. The easiest thing to do to me is to cut a two to a one math-wise, because you're having your bet. If I like Shantasara, which I do, you know what? I'm taking a stand with Shantasara. Could Empress Josephine win? Of course she could, but I'm a big uh, Shantasara fan. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. So by singling Shantasara in race eight, instead of using Empress Josephine also, who I'm cutting a short price. So it's always nice, you know, if you can cut a short price, you really increase your value. I'm from 350, my ticket's 175. So at that point, I got to decide, do I want to spend 175? I prefer not to in this sequence, to be honest, especially because the first race I'm really guessing in that race and going against favorites that, you know, could definitely win. So I'd rather not spend 175 on a little bit of a guessing game in, in leg one. So from 175, how do I get it down? Again, I'm seven by five by one by, I can't read my handwriting, by five by two. So seven by five by one by five by two. And that's 175 for 50 cents. So now, do I want to trim down a race? Do I want to go from like five to three? Do I want to trim off Mr. Tip? I can do that. Or do I want to just make one cut? And I think ITP calls it like hurdles where, you know, if I just single the last race instead of having Sarah C, I can leave the others where I'm well covered. And therefore, um, I'm at half of 175 is what? 80, shoot, I just got to do math on the spot. Is that 8750 or something like that? I should have written this down. Yeah. I think it's 8750. Yes. So I can cut Sarah C. I hate cutting a price, but I can go to 8750 that way. Or I can start trimming down. I'm not trimming race one. I'm going to seven deep and I might even go eight deep. So it might be more expensive. The second leg is uh, race seven where I'm using, you know, I have five words written down. I'm probably okay trimming that race because I think one of the, my top three are going to win but then I'd be trimming a 15 to one shot. So I basically have to decide at that point, do I want to go and race seven, cut from five to three, which would make my 175 ticket roughly $100. I don't feel like doing the math. Or do I want to cut very similarly race nine where I have five, I can like eliminate Mr. Tip and that'll trim off a little there or trim both of those races. Or do I just want to make one cut, cut the last leg, single recorded, if that's the name of recorded, sorry if I blew the name, 8750 ticket without having to cut the other legs. That's a decision I have to make. Typically, I would rather just make the one cut so I can survive, you know, the other legs here. But being that I have like Mr. Tip, I don't love uh, in the race. I, I might cut that horse a little bit because again, a five to one, six to one shot is my fourth choice, fifth choice. Not terrible, but um, that's basically my process of going through the the ticket. I haven't decided exactly what I'll do. Uh, I'm leaning towards the two single Shantara and recorded but I might trim those other two legs. I think mathematically it makes sense to just trim a two to a one, but that's kind of the process that I go through uh, on these sequences. And usually a horse stands out that I want a single. Um, Shannon Sauer stands out, but Empress Josephine scares me. 
but still that kind of stands out. Uh, last week, follow the sea was an easy single for me uh, in that uh, stakes race against um, uh, Friends Fire and uh, Baby Yoda. I, I thought that was a, a pretty easy single. So I singled that horse was, I think I ended up going off five to two, but was not taking money till the end. So um, usually a horse will stand out preferably at a price for me uh, to single in the sequence. And if I can get two, that's awesome. So that's kind of how I go through the, the sequence. GQ, I don't know if you're still paying attention to me because I ran up for so long, but do you have any comments, even questions or, you know, thoughts that you have on that before we wrap it up? No. Um, if, if you can't, would you ever invite uh, a close friend to join your ticket or are you not into that? <laughs> we have a close friend that uh, likes to join my tickets and I don't like him joining my tickets. I feel bad. <laughs> he wants to. Um, you, know, you know what I do? Sometimes when I bet the Stronach five, because the dollar. No, you don't, you don't even share your ticket uh, amongst uh, after you bet it. And after it starts, you're like very close, tight with your, your well, opinions. Even though I, don't you're, I, I don't do that on purpose. Yeah. I don't like to. I mean, when I win, I don't love to brag too much. I might brag to you a little bit here and there, yeah. but I don't like to brag much, though. No, you, um, you, are, you are not a red border by any chance. No, Which and in fact, I posted, I think it was like two weeks ago on a Friday, there was a carryover, pick six, and I never post my ticket, but I really liked, um, oh, who the heck was that horse? He was uh, New Bomb, 10 to 1 shot. Uh, new bomb. I really like new bomb in that sequence. I might've gone too deep or I might've, I think I singled the horse in like the pick four and then maybe the pick five and in pick threes and doubles and stuff. I think in the pick six, cause it was a carryover and I want to hit it. I added a second horse, but regardless. Um, so I, I did a rare thing. I posted, uh, my ticket beforehand in the chat and, oh, I came so close again. I was alive to the last race. I forgot if I, I think in the pick five, I had five horses alive, maybe only one in the pick six. It was a Clement horse in the finale. And I ended up coming in second. And that was a stretch of about four weeks where I was alive. When you add up all the horses I was alive with, it must've been about in about six different sequences, about 25 horses. I was alive, each of them well over 10 grand. And I didn't hit on one of them. I think so that was painful, but uh, at least I couldn't watch the races that day. So I didn't see it live, but, um, yeah, no, I, um, I, uh, I don't love posting tickets so much because uh, I, I don't know. I just, you know, one of my better than people that I should post tickets. If people want to reach out, I'll be happy to share tickets beforehand or after. I have no problem with that. But uh, yeah, I'm not usually a, a ticket share even when I win. I might, you know, again, text you or Tom, uh, our friend, uh, you know, that, hey, I had a pretty good day, but that's about it. So people have visions of, of you sitting at home or, uh, you know, at the OTB with your friends. Uh, it's almost like at a uh, poker table, the way guys look at their cards, you're picking up your ticket, looking at your ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. If I'm with people, I'll talk to them, but you know, sitting with them, you know, who I'm alive with, but uh, no, when I'm home, I don't usually be like, Hey, I'm alive. Uh, you know, I got through three legs. I'm alive with the, you know, once a blue moon or someone. Hey, I usually like, hate to say anything because I just figure I just jinx it. Kind of oh, like okay. saying you got, Oh, you got a no hitter. You know, yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not like that. Don't worry. So, anytime you want to see what I bet, I'm happy to. Uh, happy to share. And that goes anyone out there. I'm not trying to hide anything after the fact or before the fact. And you know, people want to see how I end up playing this ticket. You know, after the scratches and all, feel free to uh, to ask me, and I'll, I'll I'll be happy to share. I don't know if anyone cares enough to listen, but or ask, but feel free to. Okay. So there's yeah. So uh, since we're wrapping it up, I just want to give you kudos on your memory. With risk averse, I looked it up, and it was actually 19 years ago, almost oh, to the day that 20. risk 
that risk averse with Bart Gidry up. Ooh, I would never have guessed the jockey ever. <laughs> I would have guessed the New York jockey. I would have guessed Jose it. Santos, honestly, but go ahead. That's I think why I mentioned it. But you were correct. Patrick Kelly was the uh, uh, trainer, and she won it like seven to one, something like that. She was a price. Yeah, wow. I, was a, I was a camp counselor back in the day, uh, and my assistant counselor was like a senior in high school. I think it might have been a freshman in college that year lived in Floral Park. And I want to say it was next door neighbors with Pat Kelly. So that's okay. how I, not that I got to know Pat Kelly necessarily, sure. but I got to hear about him and, you know, know him a little bit like that. So um, that, that's the only reason why I knew Pat Kelly, but I, um, yeah, I definitely love that horse. That was one of those horses, you know, you have like a top 10 of all time, you know, risk averse was definitely not, not top three, I don't think, but definitely in the top 10 of horses that I've loved over the years. So Anyway, without further ado, I thought we were going to make it under a minute, an hour, 15 minutes. We were close. I think we're a little over, but uh, we, we came closer. So next week, we got a big week. If you're into it, we got GQ's uh, hometown cooking going on. We got Maryland Millions Day. I think I'm actually, I don't know if I told you, but I think I'm coming down for uh, Millions Day on Saturday. Oh, are you? Uh, so I, should, I should be there for, uh, probably first time as a uh, patron. I, oh. I'm usually working at, uh, well, who knows, between now. Next week, I may get a call asking for my assistance, but nice. I, I do plan on being there. And actually, our, our friend from Delaware, uh, Tom and Tom Racing, he says he plans on uh, oh, I'll reach out to him for the first time. Oh, so nice! Reach, yeah, reach out to him. I was yeah. going to reach out to him and Mike Valiante just because they, um, you know, they're Delaware people. But I thought maybe they would come. To, I wish Delaware was running Sunday. I catch it on the way back, but I think they run Saturday, so. Um, he'll probably, Michael probably stay in uh, Delaware, but yeah, I'll reach out to Tom, Tom. He's coming on, uh, uh, on Saturday, definitely. But uh, anyway, so we're in Maryland millions, the big week. I hope it comes up with big fields, but I'm excited about that. Cause I do the, like Benning Laurel and uh, we'll see the week after. And then we have the Breeders' Cup right after that. So we're getting into the thick of uh, really the end kind of the racing season in the way. I know yeah. they race in the winter and I love Gulfstream, but uh, a lot of people don't, but uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get into that next week. So, Without further ado, GQ, final thoughts uh, before we bid adieu? You good? Something to think about. When I, I'm sure you and I are rare birds and kind of guessing or have an idea what a morning line should be. But, I mean, that would be a cool contest type of thing. Not, not guessing the morning line, but what the post-time odds would be. You know, have, have a contest for that. Yeah. And kind of score it kind of like golfing. The lower your score, meaning the closer you are to uh, morning lines. You know? I'll tell you what, why don't we do that? I don't know if anyone's still listening because we're rambling, but let's do that for the last race. And if you remember, put it on Twitter. I'll put it on Twitter. So race 10. Okay. The, I want the two favorites. I want the favorite. You got to tell us who is the favorite in the race and what are uh, her odds going to be at post time and who's the second choice. And what odds is the second choice? I kind of went on record already. So I'm going to go Chili Penton. I'm going to go nine to five. And I'm going to go recoded three to one. Or it could be recorded. Recoded. I got it right. So that's what I'm going. Nine to five on Chili Penton. Three to one on recoded. I could be way off, but that's my guess. So if you're out there and you're on Twitter, put it on Twitter. If, uh, if not, I don't know how you're going to get in touch with us, but find someone who has Twitter, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, no, let us know if uh, you can. Some of you are friends of mine or whatever. You can reach out and uh, text, whatever. Sounds good. All and right, I, so I, with that, I, oh, I'd, go ahead. I'd have to think of it more because I, I really didn't have a chance to, to dissect uh, into who, who I think uh, should be favorites. But if I get to that point, I'll, 
I'll reply to the tweet with my. All right. Stuff. And of course, scratches can change things but right. work without scratches. Exactly. And, you know, there's a significant scratch that changes things. But uh, we'll see who gets uh, closest there. All right. So we're rambling on. Thank you all. I hope uh, you found it informative, enjoyable. We look forward to talking to you from Maryland next weekend. Have a great week. Good luck at the races and talk to you next week. Bye.